Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, before I ask how you are, I'm going to make a really offensive noise. <laughs> Everett? <laughs> How are you? That was more offensive than I expected it to be. It was. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, Everett kind of surprise started me. So I, qu- I didn't have my headphone cable set up. <laughs> I didn't have my microphone boom moved where I wanted it to. I wasn't settled in. I did get the beer open. That's the important part. But then I had to make the rest of my final adjustments. So you had to listen to the of the uh, uh, coiled headphone cable against the table yeah uh, thank you to our producers uh who are here really doing a good job <laughs> keeping us on track <laughs> keeping us focused and making sure that we produce the highest quality content that yeah. money can buy yeah you, you know it's it's a great thing having producers probably yeah, yeah. that empty blue chair <laughs> over there with just a sad pillow looking at us we yeah. should put a like a sad face pillow <laughs> in that seat just constantly judging us you know what we should do we should get like a a printout for your wall of like a like a fake production booth (laughs) (laughs) so like when you come in here it looks like you're looking at someone (laughs) producing us we just get we could get like one of the big heads yeah you just get like tom brady or someone on the big head just staring at us constantly right (laughs) this is sam's like day-to-day workplace so i'm sure she loves just locking eyes with tom (laughs) uh yeah. Did you ask me how I was? Because I'm going to tell you anyway. I did. I said, Everett, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm uh, I'm sort of like ready to to talk about watches tonight. I've sort of amped myself up in a way that is, you know, uh, uh, meaningful. Tangible. Slightly Tangible. erotic. Yeah. No, more yeah. than slightly. A lot erotic. Fully erotic. As you know. Max eroticism here tonight. How are you? Uh, I don't know. I had kind of a weird day. You ever have one of those days where you're just in a funk and it doesn't matter what you do, you just can't break out of it? Yes. I had nothing to do today. My sole responsibility was pick up children from school, take my kid to jujitsu, and return him home safely. Did that happen? Well, all those things occurred. But that was all I had to accomplish today. Because yesterday I had a super productive day. Knocked out my weekend to-do list. But today I was just in a funk. Just one of those days. It didn't matter. I could, I, it was like bored and angry watching television <laughs> bored and angry drinking Just beer and watching television angry golden girl i was like man what the hell so i just had kind of one of those weird days and then i had like and we talk about this i get writer's block in the worst ways when i'm trying to plan episodes and i'll get like i'll have like a bunch of ideas flowing. i'm like ah, eh, it's not quite right i don't really feel like doing that and then i'll get one bad idea and I don't mean just like a bad idea. I mean like, no, this just won't work. We can't make an episode out of this. And then that's all I have. That's it. That's the end of the line. And then my day is spent ruminating on this one bad fucking idea. And I'm like, all right, new idea, new idea. What if I do this bad fucking idea again? And I'm stuck on it. And it's just this. So it was just a, it was a day. You know, it's interesting. I've thought about this a little bit. You and I are different in the way... You, you know, it's a good compliment to one another, but we're different in the way that we work on on show topics, right? Um, I think I tend to get sort of, I tend to get stuck at the first step, which is, you, you know, white whiteboarding or whatever. Not mm-hmm. the, There's no literal whiteboard, you guys. Uh, we have crayons on a wall. My wife has goof <laughs> off, and that's kind of how we deal with this at our house. 
Uh, but I think you tend to whiteboard better than I do. Just sort of like random idea. And oftentimes you're like, you'll give me five ideas and I'm like, those are all terrible. And then we make one or even two of them oftentimes into really good episodes. I think that when you whiteboard, I'm able to sort of dig into the issues mm-hmm. and, you know, flesh the episodes out a little bit, maybe a little bit more. You you get that writer's block where you're like, here's what I'm at. This is what I'm thinking. I'm like, I think that's an incredible idea and I wish I'd thought about it, but this is what I'd like to do to make a difference. Yeah. No. And I, I, I appreciate that complimentary value because when I get that writer's block, I just get angry. I, I, I mean, I, I sent the group a chat or the group chat a message today. I was like, this is my, this is my list of ideas. One idea. <laughs> and I, I'd very seriously been, been uninterrupted thinking about it for hours, <laughs> plural hours. So this is what we have for you tonight. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> uh, qu- I've got a couple questions for you. Do me. One, have you um, been playing Subnautica, the video game? I have, both with and without cheats activated. Oh, you've activated cheats. I activated cheats. Uh, I activated the cheats pretty early in the game. Uh, you know in that 30-minute wait time when you're waiting for the for your rescue ship to arrive? No spoilers, but you're enjoying it. Yeah, I think I maybe ran it its course. Okay. Okay. It was fifteen I, bucks, so I was like perfectly pleased with the amount of money I spent against like the fifteen hours that I that of enjoyment that I've gotten we'll, out of it. We'll have to talk about it more, you and me. Yeah. But that's gonna. This is a pending. Uh, this is a pending other thing for me. I'm not ready for it to be another thing. But I'm previewing okay. another thing. Okay. Uh, the second question is: Did you were were you the recipient recipient of any negative feedback? Were you personally? Did you receive any negative feedback from last week's episode? I know the answer because I know you are completely disengaged from any form of social media. However, well, you were pretty mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Should we have? You know, we did. Uh, and we did on a specific issue. Last week's episode was all about what we hoped to see for the watch industry, specifically in 2022, but really all of those things were Just sort some of long, changes, some, some broad strokes, improvements, what and we perceive as improvements. In doing so, I mentioned Jason Lim and Halios. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and I will tell you, Jason Lim is, I don't know, I don't know him, but, but Halios and Jason Lim, they've got an army. You have to be really committed if you're willing to wait three years for a watch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, I think I made some comments. I probably wasn't being very careful about the words I was saying or how I was saying them because for me, the the point was kind of singular. And I'll clarify my point now. I would like uh, is a return to modularity yeah, um, in the industry. And specifically, the point was the reason Jason Lim even came up in this context was because he's a fantastic watch designer. Mm-hmm. And how crazy, how cool would it be to have a handful of sort of people who were capital D, D designing watches. That was the point of what I what I said. The, the problem is I didn't say that. I said other things and the other things. And we're like six beers in. We're a little <laughs> drunk. Like, come on. <laughs> the other thing burnt some cookies. So uh, I think I suggested or even perhaps just said Jason Lim's a terrible businessman. That's not true. Jason Lim, I'm sure is a fantastic businessman. And, 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 and I'm sure I said this when we were recording, but I don't think that his goals as a business owner are the same as my goals as a general consumer. And, and so that's, 
that's fair and that's fine. We're always really clear on this show that uh, that the brand owner's goals and the brand owner's vision for the business is really sort of singular and unique to that brand owner and or brand owners. Mm-hmm. And we don't get any say over that. So I, I don't think Jason Lim's a bad businessman. In fact, quite the opposite is true. He's clearly doing what he loves and wants to do. I don't, I suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect that he's have zero problem feeding his family. He's got watches that are in demand, like maybe the most in demand watches. And so if I said anything that suggested anything other than that, I take it back, full retraction. The whole thing was, this is the point, and this is the last thing I'll say about this. Jason Lim, I think, is the best watch designer on earth right now. And for example, I would love to see someone like Jason Lim become a dedicated watch designer. And not someone, someone's. I'd like to see people designing watches, whether that's for multiple companies or one or two companies or even for themselves, I guess. But that sort of misses the point of this. I'd like to see a more modular industry with design and manufacture and I think by way of splitting up the duties and having watch designers design watches, we might get better watches overall. So that was my point. Anything else I say? Delete, delete, delete. I think the American market is kind of primed for that. I think we're doing this Don't thing me. where we're where we in the micro brand industry, and that's not we. I think we is the American micro brand industry. You're trying to recreate the Swiss industry of doing everything stove piped <clears throat> and our company does these things and it's all in-house and it's all our stuff and we don't talk to other people and i know brands are really really collaborative that's that's not what i mean but what's well, interesting that you say that because that's not but that, we're not we're not the swiss watch industry in america and, and that's not how the swiss watch industry started either in fact the reason the swiss watch industry was successful is because of but it's not how it's it is modularity. now. modularity. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's I the thing. That's and I think, right. I think what we see now in, in China, I think we see in Chinese manufacturing, and Siegel's a perfect example of this. Siegel's not one company. Siegel's are many companies, all kind of operating and doing the same shit under the same name. But they're not all doing exactly the same thing. It's a collaborative effort all under the same umbrella. And I think, I think, I don't necessarily want to see that in the American watch industry, but I think the American watch industry is really primed for some really cool collaborations that drive the industry of urology forward for the United States as opposed to just individual brands. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's right. You, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, we're just hoping and dreaming. So anyway, we'll leave it at that. I think. That's what I hope for twenty twenty three. We'll address it again in eleven months. <laughs> I just wanted to apologize to anybody offended, including the fine folks at Halios Watches. You've got a totally amazing watch brand, probably one of the coolest watch brands on earth. I mean, let's just be. There's a reason people are willing clear. to wait. I mean, there's something to be said for for that. And so zero part of me wants to take anything away from that brand or what it is. I do wish it was easier to buy the watches, but that may actually be a bad thing, right? It's a butterfly effect or whatever. So It's not a bad thing to be able to buy your watches, and I will stand by that. It, it bugs me if I want to buy a watch and I can't buy it. And Everett's muted me, and I don't blame him. Went on to a little bit of a, of a, of a tantrum. I did not mute you. You did. I, I went away in my headset. Oh, I, you know, I, I, it's because I soloed. Uh, I soloed myself for a moment, but you'll come mm. through on the 
You'll come through on the, oh, on well, the master. You don't have to worry about you. I stand by it. You just solo me the whole time, and then all you'll hear is me. All I hear... Oh, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it a lot. Uh, so, topic. We're, we're, we've oh, already yeah. been talking about watches, but we're, we're going to actually talk about watches today. We are. And, and this is maybe a, a bit of a reminiscence for me, I think, this topic is. I think even for me, this is kind of a hard episode to title. Yeah, I was just I was just actually going to ask you cuz we I think we know what we're talking about, but I don't think we know what we're going to call it. Well, you certainly didn't give me any notes <laughs> and you were supposed to. So, uh, I don't know what we're talking about uh, today. I did give you notes. That's <laughs> not true. Uh yeah, so today is kind of a a a mishmash. And and it's a little bit of a part 2 of our recent state of Seiko conversation that we had with will in conjunction with visiting revisiting the starter watch yeah yeah i think what we titled this episode is how to help your friend who knows nothing about watches buy his or her first watch depending on what he or she wants part three part (laughs) yeah that's a working title well we're gonna do we're gonna do flashback episodes periodically and give you parts one and two, <laughs> the pre- not in order, <laughs> in the future. This is like OG George Lucas. This is no, this is some JJ Abrams shit. <laughs> so, yeah, tonight we're talking about the starter watch, and I think the starter watch, with the backdrop of the hypothesis, Seiko is not it anymore. And, and perhaps a context, a, a, a hypothetical context of, because not a starter watch for you. You're listening to the, like a super obscure. You're listening to watch podcast. You watch like, podcast, yeah. so you you don't need a starter watch, probably. Uh, and if you do, welcome. <laughs> uh, but but how, you know how do you how do you help your friend who you know maybe owned a Timex Weekender for a while and then the strap got weird and rotty and he got rid of it, or maybe it got ripped off of him. Because it grew to be a part of his wrist. So how do you help that guy? How, how, how do you help that guy? And, and we've talked about this before, right? More specifically than I think we're going to today. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it in context of, you know, how do you evaluate what they want? Obviously, you got to ask price. You got to ask sort of style. What kind of watches are interesting to you? Um, you, you know, what, do you value? Do you value... Uh, you know, something that'll last forever? Do you value something that's going to be easy? Do you value something that's interesting? So that's kind of not what we're talking about, although we'll certainly touch on that today, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, is this a watch that you're buying and willing to store inside of your body? That kind of heirloom level? Or are you willing to let it break? Yeah. Or are you going to replace it when the battery dies? That's right. I got to be honest. Shrouded tuna is is my choice if you're you're stuffing. So (laughs) really? You gotta go big. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I, no. It's the shroud. It's not the size. It's the shroud. Yeah, okay? Think of all the stuff that's gonna get stuck in the shroud. <laughs> you ruined it. Uh, you ruined it by putting it inside of you. So that's kind of the the context and the backdrop to this conversation. And for me, I think that that the two people you're talking to when you're talking about a starter watch. And I think there's only two people. 
one of them is interested in getting into watches. They've kind of caught the bug. They're interested. This isn't going to be a, a hit it and quit it kind of thing. And the other person just wants to buy a watch and knows that you are informed. And they're seeking your advice on the watch that they're going to buy today and where for a period of time until they replace it, it breaks, they lose it, take your pick. And, and that's, I think, a pretty clear delineation. So we'll start there. We'll start at that divergent spot. The dude who's getting into watches and the dude who just wants to buy a watch. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, maybe I think the way we've set this up kind of in our research is just kind of talk about like what what are the options, right? So why don't we just, we've got this list of options. There's, I don't know, I think six or seven sort of broad categories. Mm-hmm. And we're going to stuff things in those categories because we're stuffing tonight. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven categories. Mm-hmm. And can I start with a quick premise? Yeah. The whole premise of this is that it's not Seiko anymore. You know, the the SKX used to be a really good option. It's not anymore. Yeah, the ha- <clears throat> the hangers on of the of the sort of late eighties, nineties, two thousand Seiko, um, sort of maintaining carrying the the torch for the the mechanical wa- the mm-hmm. low end mechanical watch industry yeah. um the, those those torch bearing watches or perhaps those torches as they were have now alit the flame mm-hmm. and they're, they're no longer needed and they have been thusly retired yeah and I, and i think f- 5 years ago your options for the starter watch and you could give this universally to the guy who wants to buy one watch or the guy who's getting into watches Mako, SKX, SNK. There's a there's a couple peripherals. Yeah, well, but, there was but, a whole like website dedicated to Seiko Five iterations, right? Mm-hmm. There was a whole website like it was called the Seiko Five Finder or something like yeah. that, where you could like type in the things you want, and it would say you can get this Seiko Five, and there's like hundreds of watches, hundreds of SKUs on there, mm-hmm. and they were you know sometimes in stock and sometimes not. I think by about 2015, 2016, when we were getting into this, they were. They were drying up, but mm-hmm. even just a little bit before that, there was like a hundred plus Seiko fives that you could pick up on eBay or Amazon or whatever for hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, a hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, but those are the three, and those are the three that we really cut our teeth on. And in in that delta, we've had an explosion of independent brands, small brands, micro brands, boutique brands. Call them what you will. However you identify. Exactly. Who are offering way more than triple, quadruple, bang for your buck than the $100 SNK at that three to $500 price point. And that's a big pill to swallow for somebody buying their first watch, which is kind of hard to reconcile. But the bang for the buck is there. Yeah. And that's kind of the backdrop of our conversation is, is the proliferation of the three to $500 micro brand watch has made the Mako, the Kamasu, the SKX made itself obsolete, but the SNK there's, there's a place for them, but they're not my go-to 
you're buying a watch, this is my recommendation anymore. Yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we start there? Why don't we start with the Seiko and Orient options that are available? Because as we've discussed, the the idea that Seiko's entry level has disappeared, I think has been a, been thoroughly debunked by us thoroughly. On, our, on our own show. You, you know, a, a Seiko Turtle is today $350, which is roughly the same price as Seiko Turtle was when it came out at 100 bucks or whatever. The Dress KX um, is available, not as pro-spec'd, but it's still available and well-spec'd. You, you can still get the quote-unquote $100 Seiko. It's just more than that now because of this thing called inflation that nobody likes and we have to deal with. Inflation doesn't exist in the watch world. Yeah. <laughs> I still pay MSRP for all my Rolex. But there are options, right? Rolexes? Uh, no, Rolex? No, no. There are still options for the entry level. You said the 5KX. Mm-hmm. We've got the Dress KX, which is still... Sex KX. The Sex KX is still like just a totally killer watch, right? You can still get, like I said, a tuna. Mm-hmm. Um, or which is maybe tuna. the best bang for your buck. N- not a tuna. A, uh, a turtle. Yeah, you that's... Can, Maybe the best bang for your buck in the Seiko portfolio right now. Perhaps, yeah. Um, and and then Orient is still got a bucket load of sub 300 and actually sub 200, mm-hmm. you know, 200 meter no shit dive watches with their Orient case or their Mako case, right? So the Mako Ray and more recently the Kamasu and they've just introduced a, a new a Kamasu 2. Mm-hmm. And so you're still getting hollow end links. You're still getting stamped clasps. And 22 millimeter lug width and just some oddities. Is Mako's <clears throat> 22 millimeter lugs, which is standard? I think it's an oddity. No, I don't think so. I think most dive watches are 22. It's only us weird micro brown guys that do 20 on everything. Yeah, but then you move into the Bambino, which is a 21. Yeah. Like, they just have oddities. <laughs> Orient they does do. yeah. nine out of 10 things right on every single watch. Yeah. And that that last thing is an is an important error. O- oriented, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> I did not come up with that. No, I know. Yeah, I did <clears throat> not. Uh, uh, so, so that is still, I think, today that's a viable option. So, you know, the first question anybody, if someone says, "Hey, what what watch should I get?" The very first question that should be out of your mouth is, "What's your budget?" Yeah, how much are you going to pay? Now what and what's your actual budget? Not what are you comfortable paying? What's your actual budget? And so if if they say to me a hundred bucks, I don't know, a hundred bucks, I'm hearing two fifty because I'm mm-hmm. gonna tell them why I think hundred bucks is probably not a good budget. No, if this is like a high school student or a college kid, I don't know any of those. An SNK. I, you I may, shouldn't know it, for them. You just and it's good that you don't. <laughs> I maybe reconsider that. But if this is like an adult that is well employed and, uh, you, you know, they just think a watch costs $100. And I'll tell them why I think a watch costs more than $100. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, you know, so different uh, already. Different advice for different advice for different people. Who I pitch Christopher question. Ward to a lot of people who are like my world. Like they make right. a similar amount of money to me. They live in a they, they live a similar life. Christopher Ward's one of my first pitches. But if they tell me a hundred bucks, I'm scratching Christopher Ward off. Yeah, it's gone. He's gone. Chris, Chris, we'll see you next week. Sorry, Mike. Uh, you, you know, 
And so that's that's something to start with. This is still a viable place to be. The Orient Mako Ray Kamasu is still a viable option. Super viable. And and they're both great brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Seiko is a really well-known brand, and that can be, maybe both work for it and against it in this context. I think it works against it in this context. And I think I think Seiko's value, the fact that people recognize Seiko from its billboards in sports yeah. marketing, they're 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 it's a little bit too invasive marketing. People know it. Like they they know they can't buy a tag because they looked at tag and they're like, oh, it's expensive. And then they looked at Seiko next and they're like, oh, I can afford Seikos. Yeah. And if you're doing that, you could also probably afford a tag. Let's be real here. So but Seiko's, Seiko works against it because it, you, you think you're getting more than what you're getting. You're getting that Seiko logo. Some of their watch options, you're getting some really good bang for your buck. But I think in the last 10 years, the bang for your buck out of most Seikos is eclipsed by the bang for your buck you're getting out of other brands. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I actually totally agree with your whole take here. I think the reason the Seiko brand maybe works against itself in this context is because this person's likely to know of Seiko. They're likely to associate Seiko with cheap mall watches um, for good reason. They are likely to have a feeling that a Seiko is pedestrian. And, and I don't think that the average watch newbie is thinking about bang for your buck or... Um, any of the other shit you said. I, I think that the reason it works against them is So you because disagree? I very much disagree with you told everything. Me, I'm sorry, you... I totally agree. Oh, well, I said the wrong word because like, what I meant to say is I think you're stupid and I hate you. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I'm, I was so confused. I was like, you're, you're, you agreed, but you're being really, really critical of everything I just said. <laughs> it makes me think you don't. <laughs> Something about all the words you're saying and the way you're saying them makes me think you don't agree with. Me. Sorry, we're we're just we're hanging out and we're talking watches tonight, guys. We're gonna be a little bit off track. Yeah, and I'm not really <laughs> sorry, but bear with us here. We've got something to say. But I think Orient's still a good alternative. Mm-hmm. I think Orient comes in a little bit less than most Seikos these days. Yes, um, I think that you get a little bit more sort of. I, I, I hate to use this term because I, I can I tell you something the 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 brand Orient. Makes me a little uncomfortable, but I do think when I started getting into watches, the the word Orient, um, when I started to get into watches, it felt a little exotic to me. And I still think that when you're introducing this brand to people who maybe have never heard of it, it they certainly haven't heard of it. The combination of words there, I don't like, Mm -hmm. so I'm sorry to you at home. But it's got this like english coat of arms lion logo that makes it feel like it's super more marco polo feeling right a little bit yeah i can i can dig that it just it's a it it's a it, there's some conflict there yeah i mean especially because i grew up in a world where it's like you probably shouldn't say like things like oriental or whatever right unless you know exactly what you mean by that so, uh i'm not gonna <laughs> Try to change the name of the brand at this point because I have no power to do so. No. But I will acknowledge that it makes me uncomfortable. So that is still an option. And I think it's a really good option. And I think depending on who is asking, it's something you should consider. Um, You probably got to be a little bit more careful with things like the Bambino or 
you know, any of sort of the big, cool Orient divers, but certainly the the Mako Reikamasu mm-hmm. recommend that every day. If they want, if they got two hundred dollars to spend on a dive watch, get them in a Kamasu. What's it? The M five or the G five? Their titanium dive line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I know what you're talking about. Fucking dope. They're, but they're expensive. They're 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 more expensive than that. But if you can get somebody into the door, I think their budget goes up when they see that cool factor of what you can get in that delta of the price range. Because the, the Orient Ray Kamasu lineup is great. And then you move over to Citizen. Citizen also has some really great options. And you also introduce the EcoDrive technology, mm-hmm. which I think is a, is a cool factor that even people who don't appreciate watches appreciate. Mm-hmm. The solar charging is great. People like that. And they've got killer options in that sub $300 range. Some of them are a little tooly, like not, not douchey, but just like tool watchy. But you've got things like the Chandler. You've got things like the, um, what's their just standard dive? Just the Eco Drive. Yeah, the, just the Eco Drive. Yeah, the Pro Diver. I, I wanted to call it the, the Pro Tough, but the Pro Tough is wrong because the Pro Tough is it's a different watch. It's a whole different watch. Just, yeah. just their Pro Diver. Also a cool watch. Uh, very cool watch. <clears throat> but you've got those options in these big brands in that sub $300 range. So if somebody says $100, i am i am going to present to them a 5600 and SNK. Say, this, these are your actual options. But if you're willing to go for 300 you got a lot more. Well, and, and I sh- we should say at this point, you, you know, when I... My impression when I started getting into watches was that Citizen was not really engaged in making mechanical watches. Obviously, Citizen as a company makes mechanical watch movements. Probably my very favorite movement on the face of the earth is made by Citizen. Mm. But Citizen's not doing a lot of branded watches with mechanical movements. Um, They've really leaned into quartz technology. They've got a number of very, very good and discrete quartz technologies that are some of the best in the world. EcoDrive is, you know, I don't know how it compares spec-wise to Seiko Solar or anybody else's solar technology, but it is the gold standard, right? Mm-hmm. They've got, obviously, their, their um, you know, high-precision quartz movements, um, you know, VHP stuff. Yeah. And, and so Citizen felt to me like a quartz brand a cool quartz brand but a quartz brand so that's something to note and it's something i would think about if someone was asking me before i recommended citizen i'd want to know is this a person looking for their first you know mechanical watch are they asking me about a mechanical watch what do they want to get out of the industry i don't think with a few you know exceptions maybe the fugu being one of them which is which is fits into that sort of mako mm-hmm uh turtle conversation but by and large i think citizen it doesn't provide a ton of options for someone who wants to get into the mechanical side of watches it it doesn't and it also for somebody who's wanting to appear watch nerdy creates a citizen has a foot in the fashion watch world and that's a bit of a hurdle that we as watch people have totally overcome because they do some really cool watch shit. Mm-hmm. But somebody who is just being introduced to wanting to be into cool watch shit is going to have trouble overcoming. 
It's the same problem I discussed with with Seiko, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe magnified a little bit, right? And fossils, another great example. I mean, they do some really great stuff in rose gold. And <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, yeah, but, but I think I think a lot of people, <clears throat> and even I at times view Citizen as a fashion brand. Yeah, you might associate it with a brand like Fossil because when we were kids, you'd buy them at the same place. Yeah, right on and the maybe, same spinning tower (laughs) i mean maybe still today so okay next up (laughs) next up let's move into the next category because i think this one sort of i think we segue into this one what about the random sort of japanese or swiss quartz watches so there's a lot of watches from major brands citizen seiko um certainly tissot Mm -hmm. maybe to a lesser extent a brand like longines um a much lesser extent but victorinox victorinox that's right so what i call what i've grouped together in our show notes for today as you know the random swiss japanese sort of prestige cachet brand quartz watches how do you feel about recommending something like that to someone who's asking you a watch guy for advice on buying their maybe first sort of special hobbyist watch i'm all about it i i think i I, and we know this everyone knows this about me i like quartz i'm totally down with quartz Mm -hmm. you can't tell me the quartz is soulless you can't tell me it's you can't tell me anything to detract from my appreciation of quartz and i think that you 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 listening right now underappreciate quartz movements now that it's sunk in there's some really great options out there and the first thing that comes to mind for me is something like Veyer Veyer's quartz is coming in at under 200 bucks I think yeah yeah, I think I I think they're coming at like 165 I could be wrong but I think they're south of 200 bucks and who cares if it's mechanical or quartz? I think for the first watch, you got to have something you're going to wear. Yeah, A11 Military S5, 170 bucks. Yeah. It's got to be something you're going to wear, something that's going to bring that appreciation, something that's going to cultivate and grow that appreciation. And for somebody who that's just the one watch they want to have and they want to pay less than 200 bucks... I don't know that you can do any better than the non fotinid Veyer. Yeah, I think I think Veyer is is outside of the context of this particular category but, a little bit because they're more micro but they they sort of do fit in that. I'm thinking more of watches like perhaps a Quartz Visidate or yeah. or perhaps a Quartz Max Bill. I, I know when I was sort of getting into watches, I looked at the Quartz Max Bill a lot. And I think if 350, yeah, it's in that range. Yeah. Yeah. It's in that range. And, and I probably today, if I were to buy a max bill and I might, I love that watch. Um, I'd go, I'd probably go mechanical, but at the time I was thinking, this is a great watch from a great company and I can afford it. And, and so I, I think that there are some options there. Um, again, I think you probably need to, just like with Citizen, you need to sort of understand what it is that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. 
because some people aren't just are not going to care about the legacy and the heritage and the story of the brand. There, there's a certain <clears throat> aspect of this hobby that we have that is that, that lies in the mechanical bits, these interesting, atypical, even anachronistic, a, a, a word that I like to use when talking about watches, right? Um, that aspect of the hobby is, isn't powerful. And so, you mm-hmm. know, have that conversation, figure out, do, do you want a mechanical watch? Because this is the downsides of a mechanical watch. Uh, you, you know, it's gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to wind it. It's gonna stop running when you don't wear it. Um, it's gonna break in seven to 10 years and you're gonna either have to throw it away or pay more than the watch is worth the services. So there's all these things. But- or you can sell it to me and I will buy it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I'll get serviced, but I'm I'm not gonna pay for full price. Yeah, right. Or you know, you swap if it's an NH, you swap them. But but that might not be something that they, that person cares about, and you know, you just have to sort of assess what's what's their pathway. If if they're wanting to be more enthusiastic, um, to conjugate the, but I also the think the term uh. Go ahead. I also think Bulova in that conversation, Bulova in that really affordable realm about, yeah. in, in courts. And I have no issue saying, okay, you know what? This is going to be your one watch, which, which to me, if it's your one watch, it doesn't matter if it's an automatic or courts movement. It's going to require some sort of human intervention at some point in the distant future. Yeah. For, for me, I prefer a mechanical or automatic just to sit in my watch box because nothing is happening to it once it's exhausted its battery once it's exhausted its power supply and it just sits i wear them every once in a while they get wound their power supply fills up the they lubrication exhaust. is drying off all the pivot oh, points you need to have a watch winder well no i store my watches in a <laughs> in a chromatically sealed hermetically sealed oil vat <laughs> yeah yeah. In Cosmoline. That's what all my watches are stored in. So then I just spray them off. And, but that's for, for the one watch guy, quartz are automatic. I mean, automatic, cool. You know, you, you, you recommend a, a see through case back and, you know, cool. You get to see the spinny thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's talk, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because that's, I think this is a, 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 a nice, place to acknowledge that some people some people who ask you about their first watch are going to say i have a hundred bucks to spend they're gonna more or less mean that they have a hundred hundred bucks to spend so let's let's you know open it up to you know maybe 150 and and furthermore i think watches are so cool and i really want to get into mechanical watches what do we recommend for that guy bok talk I think maybe, yeah. I, I mean, so there's some options, right? There's a bucket of options coming from Vostok. There's a lot of options elsewhere. We've got the ones that come to mind immediately. Pro Diver? Yep. Invicta. Mm-hmm. By, by that, I mean the Invicta, the, Pro, the Invicta Diver. Pro Diver. Uh, Vostok? Mm-hmm. Still some Seikos? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly some Orients? Mm-hmm. Depending on what style they want, it, it yeah. gets a little hard. Um, and then you've got a number of Chinese and Korean watches, 
what I'm going to call like factory brands Mm -hmm. um, that are making watches, if not under a hundred at or very close to a hundred that are specced like, well, (laughs) spec like the watch that they were supposed to make and didn't put the dial in. (laughs) Oftentimes specced very much like a watch that costs three to four times as much, or if not a lot more. Yeah. As between those options, how do you kind of figure out what you recommend? Or or do you just sort of say, here's all the options? I think you say, here's all the options, and you let them roll the dice. And I think I really weigh heavily towards those Chinese and Korean factory brands and say, find the one you like. Send it to me, like just for a sign-off. <laughs> but I don't know that you're going to go wrong with any of those because the majority of them are going to use some some form of a seagull movement, which I think, I think many of them are coming with NH movements. You're going to see, you're going to see a lot of NHs, but I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of seagull movements and you're going to really get exposed to a lot of cool shit on your trek down that rabbit hole. If so, so let's say, and I think that I think that exposure is going to actually increase your budget. Let's say I'm asking you about watches, and we kind of figure out I've got about eighty bucks to spend. I want an automatic dive watch. I want something that's not super lame, interesting. You show me Vostok, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is cool as shit. Wes Anderson used those. Oh my gosh, I want one. What Steve Zizzo wore one. What are you going to tell me? Go to the Amazon. And find the amphibia that you like. Are, are you going to warn me at all about Vostok? No. Because I think... I I'm going to warn you once you get it. I think if the positions are reversed, I might warn you a little bit. I think I warn you after the fact. I think you get it. You're <laughs> excited about it. And I'm going to say, look... Now that you have this... You have it. Now that you've spent your entire watch budget... There are some quirks to this watch <laughs> that are going to be unlike other watches, but also familiar and the same. They're just going to be different. So you're you're taking the power to make the decision out of your friend's hand. They made the decision when they said they had eighty bucks. You, <laughs> they made that choice, yeah. not me. I didn't make that choice for them. Yeah. You yeah. give me fifty more bucks, and then we got other options. But <laughs> if you want eighty dollars for a for an automatic dive watch, that's that's it. If you even have forty more dollars, I'm gonna say go to Am Diver and customize your Vostok. Because one hundred twenty bucks for a dive watch. An automatic dive watches that's a tough sell yeah because if you if you say you have 80 bucks for a dive watch i'm gonna say marlin all day yeah what are those 50 bucks yeah 50 60 yeah what about timex andrew timex Timex. You gotta have a little bit bigger budget i think with timex because there's a lot of options in, in the in the quartz world for Timex. Mm. Yeah, I mean I think I think the 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 weekender is oftentimes I mean it's probably the most sort of common analog watch you see on people's wrists just generally speaking, right? Saw one today. Uh, yeah, you see them every day. Yeah. Every day you see somebody wearing a weekender. But that's not really an enthusiast watch, right? If you can get it at Target, but it can be. Yeah. Yeah, it's but a, that's it's like an it's enigma. like a, that's like a tier three. It's like when you've bought your first. It's teenager watch people. When you've bought your first 
four four figure Kickstarter pre order that you had to wait eight months for, then you can get. Yeah, that's why it's like your teenage rebellious years. Like <laughs> fuck the man and the institution and spending money on a watch. I'm gonna get a weekender big easy reader. Uh, Timex is doing some really cool shit, and and they're dropping a lot of really cool like the Snyder's that they're dropping. They're doing some really cool iterations of. Their mechanical movements. Yeah, the new galleys. The the new Giorgio Galli. Oh, yeah. I think I said galley. I'm sure it's Galli. Uh the new galleys, uh the S ones. 38 millimeters. <sighs> That's a smoking hot watch. They're 450 bucks though. So all of a sudden we're in the next level, right? And and I, and I think you could do better than that watch at 450 bucks. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen one. They I haven't it, seen one in person. Obviously, they look pretty great. They look great, but I think you can do better. You've got Marlins. You've got Marlins and Waterberries. Automatic water Waterberries and Marlins. At you've got the MK versions with their two fifty. They do have aluminum cases in the MKs, but they're good looking anodized aluminum MK cases. There's a lot there if you're not looking for an automatic or mechanical movement. And the Navi Oceans, I, I don't care what you say. I, I love the Navi yeah. Ocean and the Navi, or yeah, the Navi Ocean. And it's the, they have another one. Navi it's, XL, yeah, which is 41. It's, it's the Mega, but um, it's, it's not that big. So it's Mega for my little svelte wrists. Yeah. You, you know, I, I do think you're right, though. You're spending a little bit more. All of a sudden, you're sort of out of, you, you know, especially when people think of, of, timex and you think of the the resin case the target Hermit, counter yeah. you know watch and and or snoopy yeah right well you can i think timex right now you can buy a, a snoopy marlin for 260 bucks or something like that right so or 23 right <laughs> that's i think the i think what timex really needs to overcome is they do they just make some weird choices yeah they're not doing what I'd hoped they'd do. I, I think I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, we mentioned it briefly, but what about an Invicta Pro Diver? That's it. That's all the way. Invicta Pro Diver, you can get on Amazon every once in a while for like forty bucks. Yeah, often what eighty to hundred. Yeah, think. eighty to hundred bucks. There's there's gonna be some modifications that you're you're probably gonna want to do. You know, the Invicta stamp on the side, maybe number one. But if you don't care, the Invicta Pro Diver is about as baller a diver as a diver comes. It's specced right. It wears great. Its design is familiar. Yeah, I mean, they really just designed maybe the most ubiquitous yeah. watch in history. Yeah. And they, and, they said, they were doing. and they said, hey, we'll sell this to you for 80 to $100. And then about six times a year, we'll sell it to you for $50. They're comfortable. They look good. They run well. That's maybe it for me. If if you're looking for the sub $200 no shit dive watch that you're actually going to use and wear, that you kind of want a little bit of a banger, I think that's the one. Can we talk about a couple watches that I generally don't recommend to people? who are buying their first watch, but I might recommend to someone who's looking for something very specific. How much money do they have? The first watch I think of is a G-Shock. Mm-hmm. I generally don't recommend, so, so, so two things are true. 
one, I think G-Shock is the coolest watch on the face of the earth. I've got several of them. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic, right? G-Shock is just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. They've, they've kind of transcended watches. And, and so I recommend if you've got multiple watches, you own a G-Shock. Maybe even if you only own one watch, you own a G-Shock. With that said, if someone comes to me and says, I want to, I want to buy a watch. I don't think G-Shock's the right answer usually. And, and in fact, when, when I hear people, you know, even people on other podcasts, I'm thinking of one person in particular says, just tell them to get a G-Shock. You know, I don't think that's the right answer in this context. I, I doubt very seriously that that's what that person's looking for. It's because it's too good of a choice. It's because it will sour you to all other watches in the future. You'll get a G-Shock. You'll be like, I don't need anything else. And you're right when you say that. You don't need anything else. I think it's maybe because that's not what they want. If if that person wants to know about watches, that's not what they want. No. Another watch I generally don't recommend to people is the Casio Martlin. And it's not because it's not a great watch. It's a great watch. It's not because it's quartz, because as we've demonstrated here, that doesn't matter. That doesn't affect us. We want to know what they want, and that might matter. But generally speaking, it doesn't matter. I think it's because one brand, right? If someone's coming to me and they want to know about watches, and I tell them to go buy a Casio, I, you know, it takes away from your credibility. That maybe a little bit, <laughs> and, and and furthermore, I just don't think that's what they want. They they don't want a Casio. This person doesn't want. They can find one without me. Get a Casio down the road. So buy something to cut your teeth, and then try that Marlin. Take a flyer on the Amazon Prime Day Marlin or whatever. Right. Um, I generally don't recommend those. We we've got one more big category. We have to talk about it. Oh yeah. Kind of the premise of our whole discussion. <laughs> what about micro brands, Andrew? Do, do you ever find yourself recommending micro brands to first-time watch buyers? I do. And you've already said that that Christopher Ward is kind of your go-to rec for people in your age and economic bracket. Hundred percent. It's my it's my go-to because they have almost as many SKUs as Seiko. <laughs> Maybe not quite, but yeah. But it it sure seems like it. They've got great sizing. Customs is a bitch. Move past that. They've got affordable, no shit, attractive watches. And that's kind of my go-to. It's like, hey, this is an off-the-beaten-path cool watch. It's not just a good watch, but it's also cool. And it has those two things nesting together for that first-time buyer of somebody who can afford to spend between $600 and $1,000 on a watch. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, just for a moment, Christopher Ward is not a micro-brand. I, I, they're not exactly, but they're also not not. So I wouldn't have to have the conversation, but let's yeah. just say hypothetically for a moment. What about a true, a true micro brand? Maybe someone that's been around for as many as five or six years or, or a brand that's, you know, maybe been around for a year or two. How do you feel about recommending one of those types of brands? I go places like Notice who are in that $400 range, almost universally. 
notice Traska, Laurier. Traska, Brew, Laurier. I float the Aster and Banks out there. I say, hey, if you want to go something a little bit different that you're never going to see anybody else wearing, not because they're not cool, but because they just, they're just not big enough. That you're, you're, if you see an Aster and Banks in the wild, fuck, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> that's, that's some cool shit. Right. I go Aster and Banks. I float those kind of options out there. I float Orion out there. I float these. Obscure is not the right word, but they're obscure for the non watchwear. Relatively obscure, yeah. Nobody knows these names outside of people like us. And I float those out there and I say, look at these designs. They're similar. They're familiar. You recognize them, but you don't know what they are. And I float those. If people are willing to float a little bit more money, and I say, hey, also, you're getting, you, you might be spending five to $700 on that, this watch. That's, that, that's the main takeaway, right? This person's mm-hmm. got to be comfortable spending, you, you know, it, that person's going to have to go home and have a conversation with their husband and or wife. And that husband and or mm-hmm. wife is going to say, what the fuck are you talking about spending $600 on a watch? So that's got to be something that is not a, a difficult proposition. I think if I'm going to make this recommendation. Mm-hmm. Bertucci is one that I float if I know that the, that there's going to be. Bertucci? Yeah. Interesting. A lot of the people I'm around are like a titanium watch is going to fit. And I think Bertucci watches are well designed. I think they've got good yeah. titanium options. I think they do some cool shit. And they're very functionally designed yeah no i mean it's a great it's a momentum is another brand that's sort of in that space right Mm -hmm. mostly quartz beaters titanium utility watches yeah Mm -hmm. in your industry that's probably older is one that i float uh but yeah people are willing to spend a little bit of money I, i the the bang for your buck i think you're getting way more out of way more out of a $400 notice than you'll get out of any sub $800 Seiko. Out of any Orient. Out of any of these big brands that we've talked about, you're getting more out of any one notice, any one Orion. And you're well before sort of the diminishing returns of this purchase have set in, right? Yeah. It, it, at this price range, at a $400 sector or a $500 Neptune Laurier, and, and actually that has two separate people mm-hmm. have come to me and said, I want to buy a watch. I want to buy something special. I've had, you know, uh, I've had a Shinola and... And Shinola's far more expensive than that. Shinolas are, are ringing in between six and, and a thousand. That's right. That's right. You know, one of them had a Seiko. One of them had had a Shinola. I, you know, I kind of want to spend a little bit of money, maybe two fifty three hundred. And I said, well, that's a weird number, right? Two hundred fifty three hundred is a hard number. But with that said, if we can get your budget up to four hundred to five hundred, there's some really cool options. And both of them bought the Neptune. The Neptune's dope. Both of those people bought the Neptune. Which one? Wait, that's the standard diver. Mm-hmm. From Laurier, yeah. Both of them bought that Neptune, and love it, love it. One of those, one of those people wears that Neptune almost every day. He also has a black, like a murdered out Ion case, five KX. Um, yeah, he does. But that's a weird choice to get. It's like a little Batmany, but also dope. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. So I, I think you, that's a, these are really feasible options. I think that you're right. I think that Laurier, Notice, 
those are the ones I think of most immediately. Mm -hmm. um, Orion's maybe a little harder. Astro and Banks is definitely good, but to get into that sort of dive watch, it's, it's just a, a touch. More. It's a touch more, you know. And Traska, and Traska, yeah, but also unavailable. Very until twenty twenty two ish. Yeah. <laughs> Very unavailable. If the ish wasn't at the end of it, I would have already bought a commuter. But it's not available and I can't buy a commuter. I almost rage bought a commuter. I went to I went to Traska and I said, I love this watch. I'm angry. I want this watch and I want it tomorrow. I'm willing to pay extra for shipping. And it wasn't available. It bugged me. That's the whole thing. I, we could, I could do a solo whole episode on supply chain issues right now, just just ranting about them. You gonna buy a watch this weekend? Perhaps. <laughs> we'll see if the bots beat me to it. <laughs> Fuck! Last time I was in the payment section, I was verifying my payment, and it and you said the stuck. Fuck you! <laughs> no, god damn it! The cart hold is not a advanced technology if the shit is in a cart it's sold i should not lose something out from under my feet while i'm trying to pay for it that's some like black friday walmart trampling to death bullshit and that's unacceptable in e-commerce <laughs> i think if we get any takeaways from this week it's that there's tons of options right they're out there and that you as a steward of the hobby, to the extent you accept any part of that mantle, you own it. You have some options, and you can. I think almost always, you can have, if you're so inclined, have a meaningful conversation with this person and get them to a place, provide them with this information that will really help them make a decision. Very, very often I see on Reddit or Watch You Seek or whatever, someone ask a pretty dumb noob question. And instead of being helpful, people say things like, you're not helping us. This question's been answered a billion times. Asked Tell us what you yeah. want. Um, try the search function. Like, this is fun because we can engage with the material and there are opportunities to do that in a meaningful way if you are so inclined. So which was the impetus for us starting this podcast it was the exactly the, the ask and answered responses, the response with use the search function, here's a link. Like no no no, I don't want their answer. I want the answer to my question, though similar, it's different. And furthermore, I want to talk. We're in a forum a chat room right everybody's here to converse digitally as we do like what why is this a problem engage with these people have you know feel free to talk to them figure out what kind of things they're interested in and make recommendations that's what that person wants mm -hmm. that person wants recommendations they they want to understand what you know and, and if you tell someone to buy a vostok and they go look at a Vostok, they're going to know pretty quickly if it's something they might consider. And to the extent they're going to consider it, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to impulse buy it and get a super dope watch. That a they, little weird. 
a little weird, but super dope watch, or they're going to research the shit out of it and figure out exactly what dial variant they want, and and they're going to have fun. So throw out the recommendations, ask questions, make the recommendation. Those are our options. We probably missed some stuff, but that's okay. We certainly miss some stuff. There are and, and a be, thousand brands out there. And feel totally comfortable to miss stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay. I think that's okay. Because they're asking your opinion, so they want to know what you like. Andrew, other things. What do you got? I forgot. <laughs> so I've got Not another really. thing. No, I have another thing. You asked me, and I'm going to do my other thing. Right, you do whatever you want. I do, because of America. We'll do a live. So my other thing is a preemptive, I tried a thing, and thus far I'm very excited about it. Uh, We finally, I got my wife for Christmas a matching set of 23andMe. So I got each of us a tube to spit in. (laughs) Uh, And I'm super excited about it. So her parents did it probably three to five years ago. And loved it. And we've kind of talked about it off and on. And every year at Christmas, they do like a big sale, like a 30 to 50% sale. So I finally bought it this year for Christmas. And how, how much How much is it? I paid oh, between 50 and 70. I don't recall exactly per kit. Okay. And in the kit, it comes with really, really clear instructions on exactly what you're supposed to do. Be warned, you can't eat, drink, or do anything with your mouth. You can talk. Obviously, you can exist, but you can't eat or drink anything for 30 minutes preceding your tube spitting period. So just be aware of that. Like, don't crack open a beer and then open your kit and be like, fuck. (laughs) Precisely what I did. So I just stared at this, like, just freshly cracked, not even sipped on beer because I set the timer. I was like, hey, Google, set a timer for 30 minutes. Don't eat or drink. <laughs> so just don't be hungry or thirsty. You spit in your tube and it's it's like takes probably a minute and a half to collect and expel sufficient saliva to fill your tube. You close it, it's super easy. You've got to fill the tube. It, you fill your tube. It, it pro- Yeah, this is provide gross. a sufficient sample. It's yucky. Okay. It's it's super hot looking at your wife spitting into a tiny little dip spitter. <laughs> it was it was something. Uh, but then they they give you this option to spend like the next three hours taking surveys, which we did because what else would you do? So we we're just on our phones taking all these surveys of like your individual tastes, your preferences, your characteristics, and it kind of creates a their pool for things. But then. You can track your samples process. So I got a notification by email today that my sample has returned to their lab and they're going to, it's in the queue now to process. But I'm like strangely excited, strangely excited enough that um, last week I talked about, we had our executive meeting to talk about vacations and stuff. And mm-hmm. we're going to have our vacation or our executive retreat here in a couple of weeks. Um, but during our executive meeting, we kind of like, laid out some vacations and we almost simultaneously suggested a 23andme destination so for both of us 
you know, the, there's going to be something in there because you, you got to compare against your oral traditions of your family. You're like, oh, I'm 90% this or that. And it turns out you're not even a little. Um, so we un- unanimously decided there's going to be something surprising in either one of our genealogy, our genetic m- makeup. And we want to go there for a vacation. But I'm excited. I, I, this was, I, I was, really not. when you when you have this thought mm-hmm. what are you imagining this place to be oh i'm really certain i'm about 80 percent north african okay <laughs> go to our masthead you'll agree <laughs> yeah but i don't know like I'm, there's gonna be like a, a large percentage that is nowhere in either of our family's oral histories of this is your genealogy because everyone's done their genealogy reports in grade school and middle school of like, this is my family and grandma said we're from here and here and here and here. And, you know, by my, my, by my family's genealogy, I'm so much this and so much this. And you're just not. Yeah. I've, both of Sam's parents have done it and, and they're just not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, doesn't but I'm excited. And for a relatively low financial investment, I'm like really excited. And I get to be excited for the next six weeks. I didn't pay for the extra one on all the all the diseases you're certainly gonna get. That's like an extra 40 bucks. I don't I don't need to know that. I know exactly what's gonna happen to me. I'm I'm well aware. So I've got a friend, I'll have to take you out. Once you get your results, I have to take you out to have a beer with him. But he started one of these companies that got consumed by 23andMe. It didn't get consumed by 23andMe. It got consumed by the other, the main competitor. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. But he is a... Now super rich. Biologist and chemist, and he is now fairly wealthy. And he's, you know, he's one of these PhD genius types, but he's so into the tech. And it was the first sort of time I'd really spent any time thinking about this, but he talked me through. It was it was right after Zodiac, or not Zodiac, uh, Golden State got caught. Oh, the GSK. And he was just, he was telling me, you know, well, people will not do it because they say they don't want their information to be populated. And that's meaningful. It's a meaningful decision to, to not participate in these things. But... What I will tell you is it almost certainly doesn't matter because we can just triangulate and interpolate the data based on your cousin and your sister who did do it. And That's how they got him. He's like a brother or something. That's right. That's What's right. weird is, I, and I tried to read through all the fine print to find like law enforcement releases. I've not committed any crimes and I don't intend to commit any crimes sufficient such that the FBI is going to have to find me through. I saw you with an open beverage container in the street recently. I ran across the street. It was fast. There's no way they'll catch me. There's no video evidence. Um, but I, I looked through that and I, I don't fully understand how law enforcement has access to these genealogical databases, even constitutionally. I don't fully understand it. We'll do an episode on it. We maybe should. I've got another thing. Do me. I, my, you know what's funny? What? My other thing is also a gift I got my wife. A Christmas gift that I got my wife. Did you get a banana hammock? Or, true story. I got a banana hammock. Man. It's over the shoulder. 
Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really sexy profile on me. I believe it. Uh, Look at our no. masthead. You'll believe it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got wise cameras. You did. I make all manner of funny faces in your cameras. You do. You flip them off sometimes. A little bit. Uh, I got I got a wise W-Y-Z-E doorbell mm-hmm. camera doorbell. And I got an outdoor, their V3 indoor outdoor camera. And in our neighborhood, you really need it because there are ruffians. Yes, there are ruffians. You know, I don't think we need them. It's nice to have, but it's my first foray in kind of smart home tech. Mm -hmm. Integration? Yeah, Yeah. right? Um, And this is not quote unquote smart home, but it's part of the smart home packaging. And... I don't know what I don't know, but when I started looking at these products, I found kind of an overwhelming amount of expenses related to them. So first, I think Ring is by far the most popular company for this type of thing. And the most expensive. And there's another company, Safe. There's another one that I oftentimes see advertisements for. But the amount of initial investment is pretty high, mm-hmm. you know, in the several hundreds of dollars. And then most of these require monthly subscriptions as well for data hosting. I went with a company called Wise, and this is a company, we've talked about this company on the show before, because my smart scale yeah. is a Wise smart scale. This is a company, I sort of think of them like Anchor. One of these companies mm-hmm. that sort of showed up out of nowhere making dope, dope goods um, for a super affordable price. No, Anchor has gotten more expensive, right? Anchor yeah, is, Anchor's, they kind of realized what they had and people realized it and then yeah. they jacked their prices up. You, you know, slowly and sort of frog boiling type of deal. But Wise is still very much, or maybe not very much, but still in that budget category. Mm-hmm. And so I think for both the camera and the doorbell, I spent a hundred bucks, under a hundred dollars for both of those things. Um, and you have options when you get it. You do not have to subscribe to anything because both devices have SD card slots mm. where you can locally store and access via Wi-Fi the stored data. So you can locally manage your stored files if you want to. I did not do that. I'm paying, I think, $1.75 per camera per month. That's good. Which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So like three bucks times a year, I think it wound up being, if you we paid for 12 months, so I think it wound up being like for the both cameras, something like 30 bucks for the full year. Um, and I, I won't say these products are anything better than anything else. And I won't say... I will say one thing. I They're better than, than the others, at least that I'm aware of, but continue your statement. Well, well, that's it. I, I don't have any experience with the others, but what I will say is for someone who's never played with these types of gadgets before, I'm not a reviewer. I don't have any experience at all. They were incredibly easy to set up. The app, at least for iOS, was incredibly easy to use. These are sort of um, QR code instructions. You scan the yep. QR code. It walks you through exactly what to do. I installed the hardwired doorbell in maybe 15 minutes. I had to get into my doorbell. I had to put in a little resistor loop 
I had to get into the, you know, into the chime inside. I had to get into the doorbell and I thought, this is going to be hard. And it was not. It was so, so, so easy. Part of that's because you have a newly wired home. That is a big part of it. But it was just so easy to do. Really convenient. Everything worked the way it was supposed to. I was like, this is, I love it. I'm really happy that we made the decision to go with the Wise products. No. You know, long-term tests may prove me wrong in my initial assessment. Everyone's the same. Yeah. And I had Blink, and Blink is exactly the same. Easy install. I change the batteries once a year. What I was most excited about with your Wise camera, your doorbell specifically, it has a 45-degree insert. Yeah, it's just a wedge. They call it the wedge. The wedge. And your... Your doorbell is perpendicular facing to your front door. Yep. So you needed that wedge, and I'm not seeing that in other platforms. They re- they require a parallel view from the door. You don't have that wedge option. And I, I saw that the first time I saw it, and I was jokingly going to make faces of your camera, and then I was examining your camera because I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. So you've got a lot of pictures of my face making weird faces in your ton, camera. A ton of them. Some of my butt yeah. and I, many middle fingers. I did have to turn off alerts on the one by the by the driveway because, it, it you know, I turned down the set. It gives you a lot of options. I have not found a low enough sensitivity that doesn't pick up, like, for instance, headlights flashing across the cars in the driveway. Do you have the option of blacking out portions of your I, camera? I do. Okay. Yeah, so I've done all that. I've played with all the all the options and it still gets triggered unnecessarily mm-hmm. often. So um I've just turned off the alerts on it. And it's all Wi-Fi based. It's all Wi-Fi based, so that doesn't yeah. matter. That's it. That's all I got, man. Well, we're out of things. I'm out of things, uh, but I'll give you the opportunity if you want. No, I'm done. Okay, well, well, in that case, thank you for joining us for this episode of 1420, the Watch Clicker podcast. Yeah, check us out on Instagram, at Watch Clicker, at 1420. Uh, we post pictures occasionally, and obviously every new article and new episode of the podcast. Uh, also, check out the check out the website, Watch Clicker. That's where we put every single episode of this podcast and near weekly reviews and also fun articles, fun articles, increasingly so fun articles. If you want to support watch clicker and we hope you do, you can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we afford all of our hardware, all of our hosting. And it's a lot of money. So if you want to support us, we would love it. It's like the NPR. If everybody gave $1, we'd have like $30. We'd be going on vacation. (laughs) And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.